We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. That was a very exciting two-game mini-sweep of the Blue Jays. I don't know about you, Scott, but but that game Tuesday night, I think we might have a new champion, not to spoil anything for the uh, the monthly game of, game of the months. Eh, we might have something dethroning last month's winner, I, I, I sense. Yeah, I mean, absolutely great timing as well with our with our sponsor coming on of Manscaped and Aaron Aaron Judge hitting his uh, first walk off home run as as clearly are are, are going to be our nut up moment of the week. But man, that was first of all, it was just the whole atmosphere at that game was exciting because of you know the all of the um, the activity with the umpires and the and the balls. Uh, being thrown at people and ejections and all of the above and Aaron Judge getting completely livid and just, you know, being outspoken, which I love seeing, uh, walks up there and literally nuts up to the moment because his team needed his back and he was there to to support in the best way possible with a bomb to win the game. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch. I don't think you emphasize the word bomb enough, okay? Because yeah. there are walk, not all walk-off home runs are created equal. 
I always point to the Albert Pujols walk-off home or the, the Albert Pujols home run. It was to take the lead. It was actually on the road in Houston against, uh, what's his name? Was it Brad Lidge? Do you remember that? Where he hit it like over the train tracks. It was just like a wall scraper. Yes, I know it's the same amount of runs, but it's extra backbreaking when the thing goes to the moon. And that Aaron Judge home run went to the moon. There was emotion behind it. You, you could tell that it was just a big F you to, uh, to Toronto. And um, in the moment, I mean, it was, it was perfect. The guy smoked the ball and loved seeing it. Yeah, so for that particular walk-off home run, I'll take any and all of them. But for that particular one to have a little bit more juice behind it, made it extra good. We were discussing back in in the chat with uh, Logan and Ilya and the two of us. We were like, "Well, we we know we have Manscaped, and we want to do the Manscaped nut up moment of moment of the week for the first for the for the sponsor." Like, we got to like try and find a moment. <laughs> and the, the last the moment game found happened, us. Like, oh, okay, this, this is how it's going to be. And and li- literally everything that happened in the sixth inning on was was it, it was huge. It was huge. And, and Michael K said on the broadcast today early in the game that the Blue Jays were were pretty down after that game. That was a crushing loss for them. As much as it was an awesome and uplifting win for the Yankees, that's a crushing loss for the Blue Jays because they've got that 3-0 lead. The Yankees are doing nothing offensively. Like, kind of under the radar in all of this is, like, the Yankees scored their runs on two, three-run home runs. And I guess Judge's going as far as it did made up for Stanton's going as not far as it did. But it's, like, only the two, three-run home runs. Otherwise, the Yankees' offense is dormant in that game. I got it. I got to tell you, I tweeted this out yesterday too, but I I hope, I hope they pepper that wall for the rest of the year. And and someone mentioned it underneath my tweet. It's like, but absolutely perfect. It's trolling. I hope they troll the league the entire season by just going for that wall. I hope we have 10 walk-offs that are just scraping the 314 wall just to hear the other side of it and to make it to hurt a, a little bit more. It will make me that that type of trolling, that type of like you know little slight to the rest, that's just completely fucking with everybody. It, I live for it. I absolutely live for it, and I hope it. I hope it's continued all year long. I hope they play pepper with that damn wall. <laughs> and I know Logan, you were at the game with with a Blue Jays fan friend, which I don't know how you found him, but but uh, did you remind him that when the Blue Jays hit, the dimensions are the exact same, that they don't in fact roll the wall in twenty feet for the Yankees. I, I did. I did uh, many times. We were actually sitting out in right field. So he was he was playing it uh, foul. I was playing it fair and it just dropped and he got roasted by all the Yankee fans and, that he was sitting there. And had a fun. little cockiness to it, too, as if he hit it into the second deck. Yeah. It's like, Stan, like you didn't know that was gone. Don't lie. No, he did. He did. He was aiming. He's see. Oh, he's taking aim at the right field pole. Stanton's the type of guy that will do that on purpose, you know, or at least try to intentionally troll you because he's so, it's even better from him. Him and Judge are perfect because the two biggest, you know, bodies on the team are going and and hitting to the smallest uh, section of the park. I love it. And it was a backbreaker. You're right. But talking about the Blue Jays and, and the impact of that game, that game, they, they had that game. The Yankees had no business, uh, you know, winning that game when you look at the way that things were going up until that that Stanton home run. And they took it. They absolutely took it from them. There was a lot of emotion in the game. At that point, you clearly want to win. You want to end the game. And they just couldn't do it. And the fact that it was at home, the fact that the Yankees won the series before that, that's a big deal. That was a big deal. And it was definitely a tone setter, uh, which, which I absolutely appreciate because it, it rolled into today as well. 
The Blue Jays probably felt they should have scored more off of Severino, who was definitely shaky early in that game. He he was he was clearly lost in the first two innings, and it, it looked like they they had a three run home run on that weird playoff Hicks Hicks's glove, which I, I don't know. That was kind of a poor attempt. At, it that's you can never say a guy should rob a home run, but like that's a catchable ball, as catchable as a home run ball is going to be. He and also he just, saved it from being a home run. Accidentally saved it from being. Yeah, a home but either run. way, I mean, his hand was up there to block it from being because if his hand's not there, it's 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 going over, it's hitting the wall and going over. So yeah, he missed time to jump a bit, or he just jumped a little higher. Again, I'm not faulted. Like save the it's run. Hard and to, yeah. I have a bigger problem with him, you know, lollygagging to the ball in left field and taking his sweet ass time throwing uh, throwing in a relay than him misjudging a robbed home run. It's hard to criticize sure. a guy for that. That's a yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's just like oh, maybe could have. Anyway, the Blue Jays probably felt they didn't score enough off of Severino. Severino kind of figured it out before he was pulled. The Yankees get the tying run with Stanton. And then the Blue Jays come back off the Yankees bullpen, and they've got a closer who's been elite this year. Romano has been untouchable. He had, I think, leading the league in saves, won the pitcher of the month in April, even though Michael King should have won the pitcher of the month, not to, not to go down that rabbit hole. And Judge gets the bomb. Not to mention... Half of the Toronto Blue Jays were thrown out of the game because the umpires just figured I need to insert myself into the middle of this Yankees-Blue Jays rivalry. I think I know what your answer is going to be, but did Garcia try and hit Josh Donaldson on purpose? So when you look at that, uh, I saw the stats. He doesn't hit anybody. He doesn't. He's he's. He's accurate. The guy throws the ball over the plate. I think, uh, you know, it was a large sample size. It's 2020, I think, uh, Logan Ilya put that that stat somewhere in the in the notes. Uh, he's only hit one other guy. When I see who it was also, it was Josh Donaldson at that point. So my my gut tells me that, yes, he did mean to hit him in the back. Seriously? Yeah. On, on an 0-1 pitch after he, after he, it wasn't the first pitch. It was the second pitch after the home run. In a, in a tie game at that point, in the sixth inning, you're going to, you're going to plunk Josh Donaldson, who's not exactly been on fire. I know he had this hit streak, but it was a bunch of singles. Like The fact I, that it was Josh Donaldson even more leads me to that maybe they did. He do has no purpose. connection to Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson and him weren't on the same team. No, it doesn't matter, but he was a Blue Jay. Uh, you, you, everybody knows that. The guy had success I'm surprised the you said you thought it was intentional. Uh, so, you, so you think the umpires did the right thing, tossing him? No, no, I don't. I don't. Whether 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 he was thrown up and in, or he did it. That's he hit different. him in a in a place that was you know in the back. It was not that bad. The, it was in the arm. Throwing up an in is not the same as trying to hit a guy. You, it was you throw it, up you throw up an in to move guys off the plate to set yes. up another pitch. Like and that so is that, not it could have gotten thing. away from him at that point. But I, I think it was either way whether whether he meant to do that or not. You still I still think it's a warning. I don't think the hook is an immediate yes. and should not be an immediate play for the umpires in that in that call because Absolutely. it's still it's still. You're, you're debating whether it was or not. It was in real time. You don't know. And there's nothing you can really tell that says that was intentional beyond you just speculating the fact that you're in that guy's head. And honestly, no umpire should do that. If it, if it's, if warnings are issued and, and now you're, you're trying to keep a tight game at that point, different story. Yep. But there's no reason. I don't think you eject anybody from a game like that, especially the, the way that it was going. No way. At most, you issue a warning. And then once the warning is issued, another guy gets hit. Fine, you, you toss the guy. But he gets tossed. The Toronto uh, dugout is livid. I thought rightfully so. 
And then Loisaga comes up and in on Bichette and no warning, nothing. He, and, it was not even up and in. The ball was barely inside. It but was so here's dramatic. the problem. Here's the problem with once you throw a guy out from that side, from the, the Blue Jays side, you're saying that now this game, it needs to be in the hands of the umpires. The umpires need to regulate things. Sure. Once another pitch is come, comes up and in, I'm not saying Loisaga needs to be needs to be thrown out of the game, but no, nothing. Not a mention from that ball from, was not even up and in. That's my point. It was it was a dramatic response by by Bichette and whatever. The, yeah. So it wasn't even up and in. So it, it's a moot point for that particular pitch because it was not up and in. It was like well, a, that's it why was Montoya, up, but it was barely inside. That's why Montoyo freaked out and's like, well, nothing, nothing there. And so I thought yeah. the umpires yet again the umpires had a terrible night, and it's just like routinely. Every every episode we talk about the umpires, whether it's bad stri- balls and strike calls, injecting themselves into into the game by by throwing guys out. Like it's a it's a problem. You can't have umpires doing this. It's it it it's the worst thing possible for the league. Is the umpires doing this? They don't need exactly. They they just need to make themselves unseen, police the game to a to an extent, but but also the guys between the lines take care of a lot of it. They take care of a lot of it. And when you're, when you're just immediately making these judgment reactions and, uh, and again, trying to predict what other people are thinking, you, you leave yourself out open for, you know, to look like an ass. And that's what he did. He shouldn't have thrown them out. And then if he doesn't throw them out, guess what? That pitch up and in that wasn't really up and in to Bichette is a non-factor. Nobody, nobody's seeing it, but of course, Toronto's going to act on anything that they potentially see at that point. They're just looking for something to jump on. And that's what happened. And once you have a guy thrown out of the game and your manager gets thrown out of the game and then you take a lead late and, and you you blow it in the end, that's a crushing loss. And, Hell and yeah, an awesome, it's a crushing loss. Awesome there was receipt. a lot of emotion that came at the end of that game and they were on the other side of it. And at home, uh, you know, when Judge walked... And Judge was very vocal, very vocal during the pitch. And I, I totally understand the Yankees on the, on the player side assuming that he was thrown at intentionally. Because if I'm in the if I'm in the emotions and I'm on that in that dugout, I'm thanks thinking the bringing, same thing, and I'm thanks. and I'm jawing at him. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but he wasn't thrown out immediately, right? There was like uh, a little bit of an yeah, umpire's it was a, conference, it was a little and bit then they delay. tossed him. Yeah. So I don't know what that was about. If they saw something else, or if they talked about it, it but it wasn't even like an instinctual thing to throw him out in the beginning. It, it came up after like a little conference, which is even more bullshit. Unless yeah. they saw something different or a guy, you know, there. I, I don't know what you could possibly see unless you hear uh, something that says I hurt, I did hit him or says like, yeah, eat shit or, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Um, I don't know how you eat get to that Donald point too. of not doing it. And then all of a sudden doing it, you know, 30 seconds later. Thanks for bringing that up because the Yankees were for a second about to rush the field. So they clearly thought it was intentional at first. You could see judge yeah. had like one judge foot up over the railing. Hell yeah. DJ LeMay, he was in like, a, a cheetah pose, like like ready to pounce at any moment. So maybe that's what swayed the umpire's opinion was they saw the Yankees reaction and then they were like, well, then that must have been intentional. They think it's intentional, but still, again, you issue a warning. You don't toss the guy. DJ LeMayhew strikes me as a guy who who's like, you know, Brad Pitt in Fight Club where, you know, his name is Paulson when, when he just like loses his mind and he attacks you and then he just like keeps going and just has no off. He just keeps going and executing what he's doing. And, and then you look her down and this guy's just completely bloody and, and you can't even recognize him because DJ just whooped his ass. I could see that. 
I could see that level of commitment. Yeah. I mean, DJ wouldn't be the first person you'd like mention on the Yankees that you'd be afraid no. to fight, but he's he's a big guy in and of himself. Like he, yeah. he doesn't look I'd big certainly necessarily want him on next team. to Judge, but yeah, he I'm sure he can hold his own. In, he's in a not a small guy. He's not a small guy. He doesn't, no, he doesn't he's like six four, right? He doesn't lose very much either. He just doesn't lose. He's he looks the guy's sturdy. He looks like yeah. a sturdy like a sturdy fella. Yeah, so, he's a, he's healthy. It was it was obvious the judge walk-off home run was the nut-up moment of the week presented by Manscaped. Manscaped is best in men's below-the-waist grooming, and the nut-up moment that we just talked about was the best Yankees play that demonstrated the best below-the-waist chutzpah, Aaron Judge. And maybe next time it's a managerial decision because it could it doesn't have to be necessarily a walk-off. It needs to be something that happened that week that we're going to talk about. I got to tell man, you, Aaron Judge is going to have to, or uh, Aaron Boone's going to have to do a lot to get the nut up moment of the, of the week. A lot. Well, yeah, but I don't know if anything's going to top what we just saw. But again, like this, is, this was, this was a once a, once a season moment, maybe. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and it is a game changer. The package is stocked with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold all of those goodies seriously they sent me one i know they sent you one it's a ton of stuff ton of stuff really really nicely packaged uh really really impressive the fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology and the lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof it also has a 400k led spotlight you need for a more precise shave if you are asking yourself, why the heck would I need a groin grooming set, then I have two things to say to you. Number one, if you've never thought about it before, then you probably definitely need it. Yeah, take and care number, of your shit. <laughs> number two is the trimmer is versatile, okay? Don't be shy. It works on your beard. It works on your hair. It works on wherever else on your body. Just, just don't make, mix Just don't mix bags. Sure that, don't mix the pleasure. Just make sure you're using one at a time and don't, don't cross over. Maybe clean it up before, before you cross, cross over. over. Yeah. <laughs> and the two free gifts are nothing to sneeze at either. A pair of boxers and the travel bag. I love tra travel bag. That That's also like an awesome bonus. You got to keep your hair trimming items separate from your toothbrush. Don't be gross. You can take care of yourself and get this amazing grooming set. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with our code BRONX21. Again, BRONX21. Go support Manscaped. They're supporting us. Really fun talking about the, the Manscaped nut up moment. Yeah, it's almost. I, I feel like it's also uh, with our with our code being Bronx Twenty One feels like a little bit of a warrior in there too, mm. a little bit of a little bit of a Paul O'Neill nut up. I, I kind of like it. And uh, I, we we kind of glossed over over Severino in his start. Maybe the extended rest threw him off early in that game because of all the rainouts. But I mean, again, he looked lost. And Tyon wasn't sharp today either in the first inning with with loading the bases. So I don't know. Do you want to blame the the extra days off on these guys looking shaky early on? I don't think we need to blame anything on anything. The, the Tyon got got himself out of trouble today, which was which was really impressive because he he they, actually both guys, if you look at the way that they did, struggled early, really buckled down and and gave the Yankees quality, uh, you know, quote quality start qual quality. Um, not the stat quality start, but a quality start uh, into into the game. And Severino is a guy that, that we talked about this last episode. I forget what the context was, but he was exactly an example I was bringing up. Like he's the type of guy that that can, you know, struggle a bit at a time, and then all of a sudden he looks like you know the Severino of the beginning of uh, 2020. Like the the guy is 
unbelievable uh, at, at bouncing back, it seems like. And he 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 made the moment. He did the Garrett Cole and Mike Mussina, like, stay the hell in the dugout. Yeah. Stay the hell in the dugout, Boone. You don't, you don't, uh, I'm the captain now. And and stayed in the game. And you know what? That that helped the Yankees preserve their bullpen because he was good. Yeah. <laughs> I Mike Messina certainly had a lot more cachet than than Luis Severino to this point. But yeah, Boone Boone trusted him. I I guess give credit to Boone on on following the the pitcher's orders and and trusting his his pitcher there, not what he seemingly has got and his probably spreadsheets were telling him and that's Yankum. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with the move. I'm glad he kept him in. I would I would not have been happy if he pulled him out um at that moment with uh, you know, the 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 sign of trouble because well, we've just seen it too many times with Severino who's been able to lock back in and really find that um, you know, once he finds his mechanics or gets into that groove, like he can he can carry you another couple of innings. He's got the ability to do that. Time and every every at bat, every I'm sorry, every outing when he comes in. If I see him struggle, Again, it's got to be it's got to be pretty egregious, or or later in the start because he does have the ability to bounce back more so than than most of these guys. It would have been a really tough spot if you had to pull Severino early in that game because you just played the doubleheader and then then on your off day, and you've got no off days coming up for a long time. So the pitching is going to be spread thin. Not that Severino gave them amazing length, but if he was yanked in the second inning, that's 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 an entire bullpen game essentially. When you're looking at that now, because of the schedule and the way that it plays out, all of these starts are so very important so that you're able to preserve that bullpen, um, you know, for another day, because you you just don't know every, every quality start that you can get in this, in this stretch is huge. And probably, you know, the value of that quality start when you don't have days off in three weeks, massive, like massive impact. I don't even know how you, how you quantify that, but what it does is it allows you to have even more ammunition uh, in case someone in the rotation doesn't. So every guy that comes out there just like immensely helping the team during the stretch. Yeah, and you do have to love how Tyon bounced back after the early struggles. Bases loaded in the in the first inning and escapes with one run. That that immediately is kind of uh, a tone setter, kind of again getting the Blue Jays back on their heels because you get the bases loaded in the first inning, you're you're thinking knock this starter out, not just settle for one run. And and that kind of allowed the Yankees Glaber Torres allowed the Yankees offense, who's entirely Glaber Torres today, to do enough to win the game. Glaber, second time in a week and a half against the Blue Jays, he provided the entire offense. It's funny because when you look at his line across, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, they've been good. Last last week or so, though, you know, he's below the Mendoza line, but all of his hits are coming in big moments. It seems like so. Yeah, the he's he's that clutch gene that we've been talking about with him is is definitely rearing its head. Um, in the moments that count. So glad he's showing up. Glad he's showing up and having good at-bats. That middle-of-the-field approach, baby, I'm telling you. Something there with that. James Smythe put out an interesting stat earlier today, and uh, it was coming off the fact that the Yankees had all their runs on Tuesday and the three-run home run, and then Glaber's three-run home run today. So nine runs in a row scored via the home run. 50% of the Yankees' runs have scored on home runs, making it the, uh, the major league's most homer-reliant team. MLB average is 36%, which is the lowest since 2014. After 2015 to 21, were seven highest years ever, ranging from 37 to 45%. So the league actually is scoring more runs in different ways. That's what baseball wants. Take Don't just be home run or, or nothing in these offenses. 
And the Yankees have gone the other way. And I and I, I read that and I was actually surprised to see they were the most homer reliant team. I would not have guessed that. It didn't feel that way to this point in the season. If we were going to throw this into a uh, nerd test versus eye test versus nerd test segment, I, I would have agreed with you because it doesn't feel that way. And and maybe that's just because of the diff the you know when they were on that winning streak, there was uh, a good amount of guys hitting, and, and there were different types of hits, and it, and it's different than what we've seen in the past. So. Uh, I think perception and reality might be two different things when you're looking at that. But I mean, yeah, guys, guys, if you look over the last two or week, week plus here, you know, Rizzo's been struggling. IKF is again in a in a in a pretty good slump. Um, that is is now the bookend of uh, of you know a, a good stretch for him. But he's had two really bad, uh, really bad stretches of of almost 20 at bats, uh, sandwiched with an unbelievable you know string, but. You know, we got to see more consistency out of him, which is something that I fully expect. You know, guys like him, Rizzo and LeMahieu, uh, you know, making more contact, really not going into these big slumps, I think will will certainly help them be less reliant on the home run ball. But they're going to get the home run ball, too, at a, at a similar clip. It's just a matter of who's on base at that point, too. Logan, can you quickly pull DJ's stats over a similar time period? Because I know he was struggling a bit. IKF, one for his last 17. Rizzo, three for his last 30. Hicks, two for his last 21. They've get not, got nothing out of the catcher spot. And and specifically, Rizzo and IKF during that win streak were on fire. On fire yeah. with base hits. I mean, Rizzo had, a, I think, at one point was leading the league in home runs, so he yeah. was hitting the ball out of the park too. But that's why I think it didn't feel like the Yankees were only scoring on home runs because they had hits up and down the lineup. Even though Gallo's been non-existent pretty much all year and Donaldson's been non-existent pretty much all year, there were points in the lineup, you know, in the first third, the middle third, and the bottom third of the lineup that were getting hits. So if the, the first third didn't produce, the middle third would, or maybe the bottom of the order would come through. And recently, we'll call it over the last, t- what, nine days, eight, eight, nine, basically since the the game in Toronto that they, they scored a ton of runs late, the offense has been pretty quiet since then. Yep, and DJ, I see Logan putting numbers in there. Five for his last twenty-three, also with four walks. So he's he's getting on base, um, but but yeah, to the, the I think it's it's also exaggerated just what we're what we're looking at now compared to the winning streak. That's the other piece of it. The winning streak was so damn good, and you know they won so many damn games in a row that it it makes you feel like um, the numbers should be a little bit closer with how they're producing and how reliant they are. So are you concerned that the offense that we're, we've been seeing the last week is is just a slump? Or do you think that what we saw in the winning streak might be a little bit <clears throat> of the exception? Like, which which one do you think is... I mean, the easy answer is somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah, but that like, is the easy answer. That's probably the right answer, too, though. I mean, again, we're, we're still looking at what this team is, and sample size is still, you know, a month in. So I think we need some more time to identify what what this team is, so we see more of these these stretches. But you know, just by nature of the way that the, the makeup of these players, they're they're going to get on base more. And and yes, the home run hitters are still there. The home run hitters have not gone anywhere. The home run hitters are still there. They just have more guys that that can get on base at a higher clip. And to me, again, like you know, I was certainly not expecting IKF to go into this another extended slump. But he's the type of guy, and DJ's the type of guy that is going to that should, in theory. You know, not not get these teams, uh, the team into a long sh- a long slump. You know, one through nine. And in the past, that's what we've seen. We've seen anemic rosters, anemic lineups. You know, early in the season, late in the season, and then they're you know they're alive when it's nice and hot out. 
but I, I expect the, the outliers to be much more, you know, acceptable as far as like scoring runs and not, not to the extremes. That's where that's wrong. Cause I still think during the summer, they're going to mash when that ball starts flying and the weather starts getting warmer, like they're going to hit. So this is a good sign to me. Yeah, and, and the anemic offense in the last couple of years was followed by, yeah, guys would get on base, but that judge threw on home run in the ninth inning wasn't coming, or that Stanton threw on home run in the sixth inning to tie the game wasn't coming. And it was too few and far between that even when they did score on the home run, it, it, it didn't matter as far as the game result. Oh, and by the way, the other differences that, that have nothing to do with the, the actual you know, production at the plate, they're, they're fielding the ball well, they're, they're picking it up and throwing it, and the pitching has been elite. I mean, the pitching has been absolutely elite, the rotation and the bullpen. So they're keeping them in these close games, even when they're not scoring runs. And honestly, from a, a confidence standpoint, too, when you're looking at that, like, you know that both sides of the ball have your back. Like, you know that that the pitching can carry you on a given day and, and the, the bats can carry you on a given day. And that's got to be a really good feeling in the clubhouse. Glaber wasn't charged with an error on Tuesday night. On yeah, like a that was an error all day. What's the official score doing there? Like, if that's not an error, what's an error? That's one of the ones that like, certainly gets overturned after the game if it didn't. So, I, I don't know. It's an error. It was an error. I don't think it got overturned. I, I didn't I see if it did there, or not. But... but you ask anybody on that field, including Glaber Torres, and it's an error. And IKF was saved of an error this afternoon on a bobble. And uh, what's his name? Kirk? Meatball Kirk? Overslid Meatball. the bag. Meatball and with then... legs. Yankees were lucky to get out of that inning the way they did because King got the ground ball, easy ground ball to short, but but a little bobble on the on the transfer from IKF. Yeah, no error on that on that yeah, play last night. Yeah, it's like, that's a I can, mean, like, that's a can of corn. Like a can of corn is a fly ball, but the the that is a very easy play and it had a Sunday hop. There there was a hop that like right into your glove it was not difficult. It was it was right there for him. So you just he just again, man, it's like that focus from ball watching the ball all the way into the glove and executing the entire process. That's sometimes that's lacking there, but you know what? He's hitting. So it's okay. Yeah. Thanks to the bobblehead transfer. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. 
Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Okay, quickly, I want to touch on this, uh, the judge, the judge arbitration case, which is set for June 22nd. And Brian Cashman said, we're not going to talk about it now going forward. Whether that means we're not going to talk, I'm not saying that, but we're not going to talk about it publicly. He's been great, but that's no surprise because he is great. <laughs> so so uh, Cashman, after holding a press conference two hours before opening day first pitch, doesn't want to talk about it anymore. I mean, I don't blame him for not wanting to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it in the middle of the season. That's 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 the entire point of the deadline and why it was there in the first place, right? So, yeah, just get it done behind the scenes, and then like hopefully one day we see, oh, the arbitration case is resolved, and oh by the way, we have a new contract. That's what that's what I need to see. Just do it. Everybody wants that. The uh, I don't know. Usually arbitration cases, like we've seen this, right, with Dellen Batanzas in the past, someone, so, someone's getting pissed off somewhere. And I, I just judge is playing so well that I don't want to have that be like a, a negative thing we're talking about, his arbitration case this year. No, but it's, and it's there. It's, you know, he knows it's there, but clearly not affecting him. So that is, doesn't, isn't that all that matters? That the player isn't being affected by any of the off, off the field things. I mean, that's that's literally the point of this. And you know, whether it's them handling it behind the scenes in a in a in a good way, um, or not, and still not affecting Judge one way or another. And that's that's really all that matters to me right now because now they have an opportunity with this team to do something and can't have can't have it be affected. Yeah, and apparently also going back to the the almost brawl. Apparently the catcher said something to Donaldson before the at bat. As he was walking up there, and the umpire said that that definitely played a factor there. But again, okay. like to your point, that he didn't get tossed right away. It, it was it was after a little conference. It's like, did that really play a factor? Because shouldn't have shouldn't that have been immediate? If if the guy gets plunked after you heard them jarring, shouldn't you immediately say something and and do something? Who knows? Who knows? Either way, like. Yeah, I mean, if if there was something said and 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 that alluded to the fact that he's about to get plunked, then it's hard to blame someone from getting tossed. If they was like, you know, if if they if there's clear evidence of intention, then yeah, that sure, it's it's there. There's absolutely in their right to do something about that. If there's clear evidence, you then then definitely should get tossed. I didn't think there was clear evidence. I don't think he was trying to hit him in that moment because of the game situation. But hey. Pitchers have done stupider things before. And going right. back, man, going back to those stats of uh, of of his. Oh no, yeah, his he's, been, he's he's very uh, yeah. He's hit like two guys in his in, in the last two seasons or something like that. Since 2020, Garcia has faced 346 batters, and Judge was the second guy that he hit. Donaldson, not Judge. Judge was the yeah. se- uh, Donaldson was the second guy he hit. Therefore, yeah. to me, I'm looking at that guy as like, hmm, okay, you, you throw the ball where you want it to go. <laughs> right. 
All right, let's do some mailbags. I apologize for not doing the mailbags on the last episode. You know, a little peek behind the bronze episode. Last episode almost got, got <laughs> ugly. It got ugly. I mean, we had some technology. My God, did we have technology problems? What is this episode six hundred fifty-ish? And I don't know if this ever happened before. Your file was just completely lost. I don't. We've had technical problems. Is uh, we used to record on Skype. We had issues with that. We've had issues before, but never a file just completely poof gone. And that's what happened briefly after we recorded. And that's why the episode was posted late. Yeah, yeah. So we were about to, literally, about to uh, re-record the episode, which, which is always fun. Um, and then, and then, uh, and then they found it Riverside, you know, I'll give them a little credit. They had their, uh, ducks in a row, although it took them a very long time to get it. They got it at the, uh, at the final hour and, and we were able to post it. So yeah, uh, we've never missed an episode because of that. So that's never been a, a thing, which is great. And we didn't want to start yesterday. By hook or by crook, we've figured out how to get the episode posted. We've not pressed record. Do you remember those days when we didn't press record before and you get like 25 minutes into the episode and you don't see the little red light and you're like, oh no. And we've, we've gotten to the, we've gotten pretty good though. Even early days, I feel like we were good because we started setting it as an automatic record thing on the, on yes. the setting and we never did it like an entire episode that way. We caught it. Um, but yeah, I mean, since we've started, we haven't missed a week. We've never no. missed a week of publishing something. So yeah, wasn't going to start. Not not a chance it was starting yesterday. <laughs> well, there's, like you said, there's nothing worse than re-recording something. The energy yeah. is completely gone. The passion is gone. It's it's the worst. It's a terrible product, which is why I was almost like considering, do we just skip the episode since we're doing one again today? Because re-recording something is never something you want to listen to. I, I'll, I'll, I can still bring back the energy. We can, okay. we can, we can make sure that it, it, it goes seamlessly. No problem. No one will ever know. We've got a couple mailbag questions and I'm uh, excited for these because I definitely want to bring these back. Normally we'll be doing them on the Monday episode. So uh, first one is from at Luke Rhymes on Twitter. And this stemmed from a conversation when we were talking about Garrett Cole getting a lot of strikeouts looking. He said, what's better as a pitcher, more swing and misses or more watch strikes? And this is a question I'd like never considered before, because ultimately a strike is a strike. However, my gut reaction was swings and misses. And and that's because I think that's what the league values. I think that's what's more easily projected. And what, what is more you can identify is just a result of the pitcher throwing a pitch, the batter swinging and missing. There's nothing else involved. Where a watch strike, you add the umpire and the strike zone element to it that might make it a little bit harder to judge and 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 predict. I mean, I could throw a curveball at you here, no pun intended, and and say that uh, the umpire could also affect a swing and miss because of uh, because of the the previous the strike strikes. Zone that he's okay, yeah, that's true. But but at the same time, like I, as much as I don't like agreeing with you, I agree with you in the sense that the swing and miss to me as a pitcher is I'm beating that guy. Right. You know, I may, maybe maybe he didn't see a particular pitch, or he wasn't looking for a particular pitch, and it and it and he was uh you know took a strike, but he felt com- on a swing and miss, he felt confident enough to to swing to to look for a particular pitch, maybe or you know whatever his approach was, um, but then I beat him on that pitch. So to me, that's that pitch had the action, the the location, all of the things that I wanted. Whereas if he didn't swing, it's still a strike, but I, he did swing and I beat him. And to me, as a pitcher, you know that that's that's the that just, I feel like that's a, another, um, you know, it's indicative that what the stuff is on a given day also, the, the, the whiff percentage. Yeah. And, and 
swings and misses aren't just about beating because you can fool someone and get a swing and miss. Like plenty of bad pitches get swung and missed at because it's just not the pitch the hitter was expecting. A hanging curveball sometimes is the least expected pitch. That's objectively a bad pitch, but a guy could swing and miss at it. You know my favorite pitch in the world is the high changeup. The high changeup yeah. late in the count. No I one expects the high changeup. I love the high changeup swinging strike. It's one of my favorites. It's Corey never Kluber, by design. Corey Kluber was pretty good at it. Um, there are a bunch of guys that 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 could uh, that could throw that by you, but that's the one you just feel like an asshole as a batter when you when you're striking out on a 85 mile an hour changeup up in the zone. Yeah, because it looks like a beach ball. And just, yeah. Oh yeah. Your brain is like it's the closest should... thing to an EFIS pitch that that's not an EFIS pitch. Right, right. So interesting question. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter if you agree or disagree. We both agreed, so that's not normal. The next one, Jacob Semino. Hey, guys, longtime listener since 2017. After Glaber's home run against Texas in the first game of Saturday's doubleheader, I think it's safe to say that Glaber, despite his struggles, has the clutch gene. What do you think? And Logan pulled some leverage numbers for us, and the leverage numbers would indicate that he's basically the same player in high, medium, and low leverage, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. The the thing that I've said a billion times about Derek Jeter and any dickhead whoever says Derek Jeter is overrated is I say, go look at his high, medium, and low leverage situations. He's the same all-star level player in all of those situations. That means he doesn't take at-bats off. He doesn't let, let uh, moments get to him. All of the above. If you're facing him on April 10th, he's going to be just as good as if you're facing him on October 10th against the best pitching. And that's not the same case for many other players. And in this case, Glaber is basically league average in all the situations. Yeah, but when you're uh, look, I mean, first of all, he's had a pretty roller coaster stat line uh, of a career with uh, with with what he's done early in his career, and then you know before this year, we've seen we've seen certainly ups and downs. But I mean, when I'm looking at this, and and including the 2022 numbers that are in here as well. There's there's clearly an improvement well, in later in the game, and I mean, you hit a couple walk off home runs, and the the slugging percentage is going to be off the charts in the ninth inning. Like, but I mean, just the amount of hits compared to the at bats, even yeah. when you're looking at where they are, to me, those are all that that is high leverage. What, what is the exact definition of high leverage? But even when you're looking at the high leverage for his career, highest batting average is at the in the high leverage situation. If you look at the uh, wait, no, he's got th- he's got three he, hits. Right. If you, if you look at the output, it's big. It's big in in the end at the end of the game. So the guy likes the the dramatic. He's hitting 355, 394, 744 with a with a, a 1168 OPS in innings seven through nine. Logan, I, I, unfortunately, you didn't include what the columns are. Or is it nine hits that he has, or is it three hits that he has? It's nine it's, hits, right? He's a he's I believe he's eleven for thirty one. Eleven. Yeah, it's hits. eleven hits. Okay. I'm looking at it right there. It's eleven hits. Okay. 11 hits in innings 7 through 9. 5 hits in innings 4 through 6. 2 hits in innings 1 through 3. So what we've got, we've got a situation here where someone needs some brainwashing. Like, change the scoreboard to just say it's the 8th inning every time Gleyber Torres steps to the plate. Just like how some pitchers couldn't pitch in the first inning, change the scoreboard on Gleyber. Don't even, no, don't even stress that. Just let him do what he's going to do in the beginning of the game. Get a couple other guys who uh, can hit the early early stuff and let him let him play at the end of the game. Like, give me... When when tension is high, I want Glaber Torres as one of the 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 guys up in that inning. Like, so you feel confident when Glaber steps to the plate, game on the line, seventh or ninth inning? I'm starting to feel a hell of a lot more confident. Yes, you know, if you ask me that question at the beginning of the year, he's not going to be probably on my top five guys at that point. But when I'm looking at these numbers back in his career, like it's suggesting 
that, yeah, high leverage is a situation where Glaber likes to be. And the proof is in the pudding for 2022. The guy's been hitting walk-offs. He's been clutch in inning seven through nine. Uh, uh, yeah, you have to you have to put him in there because he's not doing the thing that gets him in trouble. He's not pull or nothing. He's not trying to you know hit every single ball into left field. He is going with what is given to him. He's his approach has changed, and I know we joke about it for, with Cameron Maben saying up you know up the middle approach. But my God, is that's exactly what he's doing. I've been preaching this for two years. If he starts trying to hit line drives and base hits and squaring the ball up, the ball's going to fly out of the park by itself. And that's exactly what's going on. His hit to score two runners with the infield in today was actually pretty impressive because he didn't overswing. It was a pitch up in the zone away, and he just flipped the bat at it to get a line drive to center field. And you're right. That's something he pulls off of and pops up in in, in previous situations. Yes. And I, again, go back to the opening day pinch hit sack fly to tie the game against the Red Sox. That was a quality at bat. If you're having quality at bats in high leverage situations, enough good things will eventually happen that you're going to be quote unquote a clutch player. Quality at bats. Don't go up there and look freaking overmatched. 2019, when he hits all these these home runs and you're seeing this guy is like, oh my God, he's a 40 home run guy. I can't believe it. Glaber's a 40 home run guy. One, the ball was flying out like like freaking hotcakes. I mean, it was, it was, the ball was flying. Two, the guy, the guy had a very good approach. And I don't believe that he was trying to hit all of these like selling out for home runs, Starling Castro style on one knee. We're, but we did see that afterwards. It's almost like he saw the numbers, they got to his head a bit, and he tried to do it too much. And now it seems like he's definitely getting back to that, you know, uh, again, barrel it up, line drives, gap to gap. If you can do that, the ball's going to fly out. And then obviously you have more of a potential um, or less of a, you know, less of a strikeout uh, rate, which is a good thing. That's that's one thing I wanted to look at actually for 2022, his strikeout rate compared to other ones. Is it also helping him cut down on um, on striking out? I would assume iTest is going to tell me that, yes, that's probably the case. Again, you look at these splits between these different innings and his OPS plus in the first three innings is minus 16 okay so he he's like off the charts bad in the first part of the game he's horrifically bad at a 43 ops plus in the middle innings that's like a pitcher level offense and then he's mickey mantle when <laughs> when it's seventh inning and on he's barry like his... bonds circa 2004 literally all of the steroids in the bay area are funneling into barry bonds's neck that is what we've seen from glaber torres in the late innings he, um, yeah, there, there's, there's something about the late in the game. Obviously, when you start playing a baseball game and you get into it, you're in the field for a few innings, you get your legs underneath you. I mean, not to compare myself to a professional athlete, but when you play, when, I mean, when I play any sport, when I play softball, when I play anything, like it does take me a while to get into the game. And once it does, once your legs are in there, you start yeah. feeling your body go a little bit. So maybe there's some kind of a preparation beforehand where you know he's got to get some wet, some wet swings, some wet runs in, little little uh, you know simulation beforehand down in the cage. That's what I, I don't said. Know. That's what I said. Did extra batting practice or something just to simulate that it's you've already had two at bats already when you take the take your first one of the game. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Next question. Joshua Elderkin says another two wins this weekend provided by the pitching staff. The offenses look good at times, but the starters and bullpen are the primary reason for success. After Nasty Nestor's performance today, I thought to myself, in the, if the playoffs started this week, 
Who is pitching games one, two, and three? I love it. Playoff rotation on May 11th. Let's go, baby. Thank you, Joshua, for asking this question. What's your playoff rotation if they're starting a series tomorrow? If they're starting a series tomorrow, my pitching rotation... Oh, man. This is this is one thing. So, real quick, I was going to talk about... I was I mentioned the high changeup. And, and the only thing it's missing from this person's repertoire this year, I think, is the EFIS pitch. And I'm surprised Nestor doesn't have one. Um, if he has everything he throws is an EFIS pitch. No, I I need to see a legit EFIS pitch from him. I feel like that's the the last thing I need to see out of his, out of his, uh, bag of tricks. But if I'm starting a rotation in the playoffs, clearly I'm going Garrett Cole one. I'm, I'm, I'm going Severino two still just because give me that horse in number two. And then man, is it a tough one for three? Because yes, Nestor's Nestor has been so good. Um, I would probably have to go with Nestor at this point. I would feel confident on any of them in number three though. How do you not go with Nestor Cortez in the top three? He's statistically, he's been their best pitcher. I know it, it's it's purely because he's Nestor Cortez, and I'm not expecting this. I mean, like, there's no other way around it. What I'm seeing here, I'm like, it's very difficult. Even though I'm watching these things in my with my eyes, to put him into a playoff rotation still sounds crazy. But he is a guy that has clearly been uh, been been good in big spots. That said, like. Look at what Tyone has done. Look at what Montgomery has done. I feel confident with all of those guys. I really do. And Co- Montgomery, we've seen, you know, in big situations. Yeah, Tyone, you glossed over Montgomery. I like, like yeah. I'm going, I'm going Cole, Cortez, Montgomery as the top three. Oh wow. I'm not, not saying, putting Severino in there. Severino has the ability to dominate anytime he touches the ball. Severino's been the worst pitcher on the staff so far this year. That's not fine. saying that's he, not saying that's not saying you, much though. The, the question was tomorrow, okay? When the playoffs are actually happening in October, I hope that Severino is in the top three. Yeah, J- Jamison Tyon getting overlooked too. I just let me know, tell you what this is. Jordan this Montgomery's is a, this got is no a... run support, but Jordan Montgomery every single time out, the Yankees are yeah. in the game. And if, yeah. if I'm looking for a game three in the playoffs, like I actually think I trust Jordan Montgomery to go out there and pitch five innings of two run ball than Jamison Tyon. Yeah, I would I would put Montgomery over Tyon most likely in that scenario. That said, Nestor Cortez has the ability again to to come in at any point too. I if if Nestor Cortez if 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 Severino, Severino has the ability to dominate at any point, he does. He has the ability to dominate. That's why I like that. Even even right now. And if he doesn't, guess who could be there? Nestor, throw okay. him in. You're you're shaking your head, Logan. Like, what has Jordan Montgomery done? What has Jameson Tyon done that Jordan Montgomery has not done? I mean, their their uh, <clears throat> ERAs. If you believe in ERA, are basically the same. Two nine zero for Monty, two eight four to Tyon. You realize we're splitting hairs with all these guys because yes, they've know. all been very good. Their FIP three two for Montgomery, three three four for Tyon. Their WHIP point nine for Montgomery, point one point one for Tyon. They, they've basically been the same pitcher. So I mean, strikeout to walk rate I think is the biggest difference here, right? Uh, strikeout, strikeout to walk rate ten. 10.5 for Tyon, 5 for, for Who gives up more home runs? Um, oh, this is great, great podcasting here. Uh, who gives up <laughs> This is more? some Mike Francesa podcasting. Get, get that baseball reference uh, Excel sheet up. So far, Montgomery has given up two home runs in 31 innings, and Tyon has given up uh, three home runs in... Well, so I just realized that these numbers were... The numbers I'm looking at are not updated with today's start for Tyon. 
Tyon's given up one more home run than than Jordan Montgomery. So I mean, there's really no argument here for either one of them that can that can be that can be defended beyond the other one because they're both the same pitcher right now. Yeah, at least Jordan Montgomery has started a playoff game before. Sure, it's a preference at that point. Also, one is a righty, one is a lefty, so it probably have to do with the matchup. Do you agree Nestor Cortez deserves a, a a spot in the top three rotation right now? Yeah. That's why I had him in the third spot. I'd rather Cortez pitch at home, and the Yankees would be starting that series at home. Nestor Cortez can do whatever he wants. Severino, you want to you talk about a guy at home like Severino, give me the fire. I know he struggled at playoff starts at home, uh, but give me the Sever- – like the ability to dominate is with him and Cole, clearly, I think, above anybody. Yes. To get yes. that dominant performance. Yes. And I'm hoping that come October, Severino is a clear number two pick. It's not even close. Like that's ideal scenario. And then however you want to shake out the three, four spot, maybe it's not even announced and and they go based on the situations that happened in game one or two. Like maybe someone has to pitch in relief. Like another thing about Nestor Cortez, though, he could pitch, he could pitch out of the bullpen pretty yeah. probably pretty. That's why I'm putting him in that third spot because if I needed to, I could get him in, in game two. Yeah. And then I feel confident with anybody in game three. Again, the beautiful thing is, is we have a we have a, a you know a plethora of options here and and they're all good so far. So, you know, knock on wood, knock on wood, we continue this uh this ex- excellent pitching throughout the year and we uh, we avoid um the the downside of it and we have this problem because like you said, I actually see it the other way. You you think that we want Severino to be the clear number two. Well, if he's not the clear number two and everybody else is like vying for that number two spot in a good way, that's a damn good thing. It's a damn good situation to have. Nothing like a good playoff rotation argument in May. Ah, it makes me think of the good old times when you could bank on David Cohn and Andy Pettit and Roger Clemens all pitching in the playoffs for the Yankees. Last question from our pal Lee Jones in Liverpool, England. Hey guys, if MLB is so hell-bent on reducing the length of game times and speed up the pace of play, then how come they're not applying the rule about batters stepping out of the box to needlessly adjust their wrist straps on their gloves? This was brought in when A-Rod was still playing, so the issue could have been virtually eradicated by now had they enforced it. Keep up the great work and go Yankees. Yeah, they never enforced it. Players immediately balked at, at any sort of implementation of this rule. Uh, same goes for the pitcher, right? Like if if the if the pitcher takes, I guess no, that would be the pitch clock. But yeah, supposedly the rule is the batter once he's in the box set can't step out, grab his crotch, pick his ass, adjust his gloves. But the pitcher can take his sweet ass time while he's doing that. That's the other thing. So you under can't the rule have set, yeah. you can't have right. But if you have the pitch clock, then you're you're already getting of rid both. of takes care of both exactly. If you're doing that, so. That's why, like the, the 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 adjustments in the batter's box. One, there's a mental game going on too. If you need to, like you know, these guys are in such routines. I know that they step out and they go back in. I don't think it's a massive problem. Some guys are way worse than others for sure. But I could say the same thing about pitchers. If you're speeding up the pitchers, the guys will be there too. Well, the, I think his th- his point is more like they created this rule and then never implemented it, which is true because it happened too much. It's like very difficult to implement. I think that was an it was unrealistic to really get that. Now you're really inserting the umpires in way too many moments because now you're just be, you're nitpicking the time at that point. It it is what it is. It's not that is not affecting the problem here. I look. I don't even think the pitch count. I think the games this year have been fine. The have been have been have been good. The um, I mean, game times have been overall. They've been down, down for We're the Yankees. I know that they're looking in the minors. I still don't, and I don't know how this plays out. Obviously, you have to see it to to feel it, but. 
the the clock for the pitcher when there's a runner on base to me is a problem because you're really I mean you're giving a distinct advantage now to the 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 base runner. No, there's no clock when there's a runner on base. So it's only when runners are not on base? Mm-hmm. That's not true. Pretty sure that's you just made what that up. They- I didn't make that up. I'm pretty sure that's what the rule would be. And then what they, they were would talking do is about it in the booth. If that's the case, if there's if it's only then when no runner is on, like we're talking about a very finite amount of time. And no, the we're most, getting guys most at bats happen. Rhythm. Most at bats happen with no one on base. But you're going to change the rhythm of a pitcher then uh, potential like that. That's stupid. Boy, you're absolutely right. If you have a pitch clock, then you're giving a countdown for the runner to get a jump. Which is why they also... This has been a discussion. I've definitely heard this discussion on MLB Network. I've heard it multiple times. I know, but I I swear it was for when runners were only... Yeah, Logan? I have this article from March 6, 2022 on ESPN. Uh, It says MLB eyes pitch clocks of 14 seconds with empty bases, 19 seconds with running on base. Okay. Okay, So there's still a clock. Still a clock. Yeah, and there's also talk about uh, implementing a number of times you can throw over to the base rule. Yeah. So again, like you add those little elements to it, you're you're very much changing the strategy of of what's happening in the game. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not in favor of that dress when you yeah. when you affect it that bad. Uh, I I was not expecting games to increase in pace of play, and they're pointing towards pitch com as the reason. So if they can prove out that pitch com is going to be increasing pace of play, then I'm cool with no pitch clock because I, I would prefer to keep the strategy improve communication between the pitcher and the batter and get the game sped up in a different way. If it has to come to a pitch clock, then I'm cool with them trying it out. Well, aren't we also seeing the ball not flying out of the park as much as well? So the the fact that the ball is is staying in the park, there's more action. That means there's more balls in play. That means there's more outs. That yeah. means the game is moving along quicker. It's just a better product overall when, when that's the case. And honestly, I think you'll see uh, probably even... Uh, 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 more of an increase in that when they get rid of the shift, if that does happen. I think you're going to see more action, more balls in play, faster games. Cool. It feels contrary to to the shorter games, but it's true. Like the longest possible play to watch is a walk. You know, walk, strikeout. strikeouts, home runs. Not only the home runs they take a long take time, yeah. they take a long time and then nothing happens. I mean, a home run, something happens, but then you got to watch a guy jog around the bases. It's like, right. it's not action. Right. So you put the ball in play, something's happening, game is moving faster, even when you're watching it, the game is moving faster because there's action on the base path and action on the defense. And again, I've said this a bunch of times, like to me, when you get rid of the shift at that point, you're increasing the amount of highlight type plays because you're letting guys range even further. Defense will be, I think, uh, uh, spotlighted even more. Guys that are have you know good range, you can really showcase your, your defensive abilities more in that point. And when you're doing that, more runners, more defensive gems, like that's more highlights that can be fed to social media, which I think increases the activity of fan support, uh, which will probably help in the in the in the younger generation. So I think it's all positive. All right, they're heading out on the road, four game series against the White Sox. We will talk to you guys after that series. Make sure to call up the voicemail line. I'm sure a lot of people called up after the Judge walk off Homer on Tuesday night. So excited to hear those on the next episode. Also, submit your mailbag questions. We will do mailbags again next episode, assuming there are some good ones. And finally, a very, very big thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring the Nut Up Moment of the Week. And shout out Aaron Judge for giving us something good to talk about in the first time. Any last words, Scott? Uh, voicemail line again, 646-480-0342. Throw it in your phone. Uh, hit it when you have something to say. 
try to do 30 seconds to a minute so that we can get as many people in, but use it, use it as a therapy line, use it as an excitement line, use it as a, as a, as a place just to talk, uh, talk a little shop and bring up some more topics. So this is the, uh, the voicemail line is for the people. So get it in their phone and, and light it up. All right. Talk to you guys Monday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.